and author craft a work that speaks across the boundaries of dance studies, Jewish studies, and gender studies? What does it mean for dance to function as a site for probing complex questions of racial, ethnic, and cultural identity? How do choreographers respond to the prompt, make a Jewish dance? What does all of this have to tell us about the ways in which Jewish identities show up on stage, both historically and contemporarily? I was grateful to engage these questions with dancer, choreographer, and historian Rebecca Rawson, author of Dancing Jewish, Jewish Identity in American Modern and Postmodern Dance. Rebecca's groundbreaking work, probes the ways in which American Jewish choreographers use dance as a site to interrogate personal and collective identities while articulating social and political agendas and challenging stereotypes. Rawson critically engages with the work of Anna Sokolow, Pauline Kohner, David Dorfman, Liz Lerman, and others in examining how they use dance as a space for the creative construction, imagining, and reimagining of Jewish identities, including over 50 photographs and a companion website with video clips, Dancing Jewish is a resource for dance educators and historians as well. Rebecca Rawson is Assistant Professor of Theater and Dance at the University of Texas at Austin. A dance historian, performance scholar, and choreographer, her research interests include modern and postmodern dance, stagings of identity and physical performance, and the relationship between research and practice. Her own choreography has been presented in venues throughout her hometown of Chicago, as well as in Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Israel. Well, on behalf of the New Books Network, I am so excited today to welcome to the Dance Channel respected dancer, choreographer, and dance historian, Rebecca Rawson. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us, for your amazing scholarship, and for taking the time to chat with me a little bit today about your latest book, Dancing Jewish, Jewish Identity in American Modern and Postmodern Dance. Well, thank you for inviting me. I couldn't be happier to be here and be having a discussion about my book. So I'm so excited to share this with you and to have a conversation with you as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I want to just kind of jump right into the questions sure. today. First, I would ask, who would you say is the ideal audience for this work? Or thinking of it another way, when you were crafting the project, mm -hmm. who did you write this book for? Sure. Um, well, I think the book really, in an academic way, puts together dance studies with Jewish studies, American studies, women and gender studies, cultural studies. And so I, I was really thinking of all in terms of an academic audience. I was definitely thinking about a dance studies audience, as well as performance and theater um, studies folks. And then because I'm talking so much about American performance and because gender is also so um, intrinsic to my discussion on ethnicity. Um, I'm also addressing a gender studies audience um, as well. But I would, I would say that the two primary audiences probably are going to be um, Jewish studies and dance studies foremost. Um, but it's, it's really written for an interdisciplinary readership. And um, I'm hoping also that because the book is written in pretty clear language, it's, there's not 
a lot of jargon. There's no jargon in it. That it will also appeal to dance professionals, uh, dance audiences, lovers of dance, um, who might not necessarily have picked up a history book, but would be interested in the topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, dance makers, hopefully as well as as dance scholars. So um, both academic and and non-academic audiences. That's exciting. I am always thrilled as a dance person um, to talk to someone who is committed to sharing the work with those Mm -hmm. within and across disciplines, but also in crafting something that can be accessed by a popular audience. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's important, too. I think our work needs to exist in larger spaces than just the academy. And I think since many of us are also artists and makers, we exist in realms much wider than the academy too. So I think it's great to get the work uh, past those boundaries. Thank you so much for that. Um, Given your own career as a dancer, Mm -hmm. as a writer, as an educator, what does the book mean to you, mean for you at this point in your own career? Sure. Well, it's, it's really tremendous. I mean, I think anybody who's written a book (laughs) knows how much work that goes into it. And, and I started writing this book uh, or researching this book in 1998 um, or 2000, really. So it's been, you know, a long time coming. And so it it definitely feels very substantial and, and it feels like, you know, the, a project that came out of 14 years of labor. I mean, it definitely feels really gratifying to see it in its shape and its form and to hold it. And, um, and that's, that's really gratifying too. And, and, you know, I think also for somebody who started out as a professional dancer and a choreographer, um, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, thing to have created. I mean, if you're used to creating dances, you know, we know that the dances exist and then they cease to exist and then you move on to the next project and uh, book, it, it seems much more permanent. It's definitely something that can sit on your shelf and, and, and remain with, with you. And, um, and so that, that feels on a personal level, you know, like a, like a great achievement. So it definitely feels like the culmination of, of a lot of years. And, um, you know, I couldn't open it for a while. I couldn't look into, you know, it took me a long time to be able to open my own book, but, um, it, it, it feels good. It definitely feels good. Well, congratulations on what is surely a, an amazing achievement, um, for your own career, but also a real landmark achievement as I see it for the field in terms of wrestling with notions of identity in a contemporary moment where some would argue mm-hmm. that such things are less relevant or mm-hmm. less salient. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated it for, um, the way you frame that part of the argument. So congratulations. I'm thrilled that you did it. Um, I'm sure others across the field are as well. And we appreciate your labor of love and your commitment to giving us such a wonderful piece of substantial scholarship that we can reference for our creative work, for our own scholarly work, and also something that I'm finding will also be a wonderful teaching resource. So thank you for that. Well, great. I mean, I think I'll also say as a, as a dancer choreographer, there are parts of this book that deal with embodied scholarship. And I think that, um, I think one of the ways I hope it's useful, particularly to, um, dance makers and artists is to 
think about some of the ways that our art making activities intersect with our scholarship and sort of how uh, art making can become scholarship and scholarship can lead to art making and sort of that um, fluid circle. And so, I mean, I think as, as an artist or as somebody who used to make dances and now is primarily writing, you can kind of, the, the work that you do can take on new, new life as, as you allow it to have more forms. Mm-hmm. Um, or expand your ideas about what kind of forms your research can take. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you're starting out from uh, your research takes the form of, of dances, um, that there are things, you know, that you can do with those dances um, to take it to another place uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. Uh, what would you describe as some of the most distinguishing features of this book? Or what makes this book different from perhaps some others that those familiar with okay. their scholarship um, sure. would, would find in, in this project? Uh, well, I think one of the things that I hope will interest people is that there have been a lot of great books that have talked about ethnicity and dance, race and dance. Um, and there have been only a few books that deal with Jewish identity in dance. And I think that Jewishness is, is a really complicated identity and it's a rich identity that tells us a lot about the fluidity of ethnicity and race. And for those readers who may not initially be interested in Jewishness, I think looking at Jewishness um, it really enriches our dialogue about race and culture and ethnicity and how it's embodied and performed in dance. Um, so, for example, I, I think that a lot of our scholarship um, kind of reduces racial inquiries to sort of black and white. We think of terms and think of, of uh, dancing identity in, in black and white terms, and there's an incredible amount of really rich uh, research material on African American contributions to American dance and African um, diasporic identity in relation to American dance, and there isn't as much um, interrogation of what whiteness, for example, might mean. And I think Jewishness really complicates our ideas about whiteness because Jews, although Jews are certainly white now and have, you know, achieved that through a lot of class mobility, um, they're, they're still different um, in many ways. And, and certainly early points in the century, they were not totally white and were subject to, um, you know, essentially racial, racial profiling um, in, in ways that make for very interesting tensions in the dances as, as Jewish artists attempts to negotiate uh, their difference in relation to their Americanness. So, you know, what, I, what I'm hoping it will add to the discussion is a complication of what our, our discussion of whiteness. Um, and it certainly builds off of the incredible contributions of, of African-American, scholars of African-American dance, I would say, for sure, especially those who've asked what black dance means, um, in, you know, in interesting ways. And... Um, I hope what else, you know, what, what it also offers that's a little, it, it's not totally different, but it, I think it's, it's part of a growing dialogue about the uses of embodied scholarship. And one of the things that I think makes dance studies so valuable to other disciplines is the ways in which we use embodied scholarship as a significant methodology 
that not everybody is able to do. That we are, um, you know, for many of us who've come into the field um, from, from careers as artists, we come into this academic discipline with a fluidity and fluency um, in, in creative practice and physical practice and embodied practices that can be implied to our research and really flesh out our research and give body to the research in ways that I think non-artists cannot do. And I think what that enables us to do is to create richer histories that um, delve into process and, and not just product that um, allow us to have dialogues with, with artists in ways that are not just verbal, but also creative and physical. And that um, really are able to demonstrate the value of what the body um, and knowledge of the body can add to our understanding of culture. And so what I'm hoping to contribute to the field with, with my book is, is, is furthering um, a, a discussion about the values of embodied scholarship. And there, you know, certainly others who have, uh, whose footsteps I walk in, starting with Catherine Dunham, right? But more recently, you know, people like Susan Foster and Ann Cooper Albright, um, and, uh, Prius Rinivasan and, and other scholars also working with, um, ethnography. Um, uh, you know, I'm hoping to, to dialogue with the, with those works too and to help non dance readers understand more about the possibilities of what our scholarship to, can can add to our knowledge about cultural identity or gender identity, for example. I really appreciate that rich and thorough response. But what, <laughs> what I love hearing you say is, and I appreciate the ways in which you frame Jewishness as a complex historical and contemporary identity that can make us rethink the ways in which we might think about ethnicity or race or identity beyond mm-hmm. sort of a black-white scaffolding. Right. Um, I think that increasingly as our world becomes um, more diverse, more enmeshed in a global sense, that we need to continue complicating the question of identity or questions of authenticity, constructions yes. of race. And dance, interestingly enough, creates this kind of third space, right? This kind of Mm -hmm. tertiary space where we can, through the body, begin to engage those questions together. And the fact that you're highlighting artists who used that third space, who operationalized Mm -hmm. that space in some way to wrestle with these questions, um, I think is going to have contemporary implications for dancer choreographers who are trying to do the same thing in their own work and certainly for scholars who want to be in dialogue with you about the ideas. So I appreciate you really, you know, pulling that forward with this project. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I will also say that one of the features of this book that I love and it, it has to do in certain ways with the resources that Oxford University Press offers, but they, um, you know, invited me to create um, a web companion to the book um, for which I created 51 video clips of the dances I talk talk about. So, you know, if you buy the book, there's, you know, you, you can get the code. There's a permission code to access the web companion. And as you're reading the book, there are um, symbols in the book that will direct you to specific video clips so that you can see the actual clips that I'm analyzing in the book. And I think this feature is, is really great for um, dance educators. Number one, I know that when I teach dance history, 
I want my students to be able to see the work that we're talking about so that they have an opportunity to analyze the work uh, in tandem with the with the artists or the, with the historian who's writing the history that they're reading. Um, I, I, I much, I'd much prefer teaching work that they can see than work that they can't see or access. And a lot of these works that I discuss are not accessible, you know, to the public. And then I think the other value is to non-dance um, studies folks, you know, people who would be less familiar with dance and for whom actually seeing the works would be a really important kind of, you know, three-dimensional illustration. Um, and um, and in, also I would think it's, I mean, I'm hoping it's kind of an archive since, um, you know, I'm, I'm not putting full works up there I, with the exception of one uh, one group of artists really wanted their full piece up there. But um, but, the, but the clips I'm hoping can and be some kind of an archive, uh, particularly since the majority of these works don't ex exist in archives. And some of them do exist at the New York Public Library, the older work, but the contemporary work, you know, exists in the artist's personal records and archives at this point and, and not someplace you can see them. Well, on behalf of the New Books Network and uh, as myself, as a dance educator, thank you for creating such a useful <laughs> and sustainable resource in partnership yeah. with Oxford. Because, you know, sometimes, particularly those of us who are teaching and want to infuse contemporary dance scholarship into our courses, right. We always want there to be some opportunity for our students to extend their knowledge around the subject and being mm -hmm. able to have the very um, well done text that you have accompanying these video clips that they can access online. That's a real strong model. And I hope that others will seek to replicate that with yeah. their own work. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, I think Oxford University Press is a press with a lot of resources, and there are a lot of amazing dance presses out there, including the Society of Dance History Scholars, Studies in Dance History online, um, and, and Wesleyan University Press that, that well, Wesleyan sometimes has those resources, but those, those are expensive resources. But I do feel like this is the, is the direction that we're heading in, and I would really um, love, actually, as, as the incoming um, – head of the edit, uh, editorial board at SDHS, you know, in, in the future, if we can create, you know, increase opportunities for those kinds of uh, features to exist with books, I think it would be fantastic. Absolutely. You have our support. <laughs> um, I would ask just stepping back in, into the book for a little bit. Sure. Without, you know, sort of, we don't want to essentialize Jewish choreographer, certainly not, mm -hmm. but could you say something to our listeners about sort of, do you see an epistemic lineage among the choreographers that you write about in the text or some mm -hmm. ways in which they are connected in yeah. how they approach meaning making in their work? Sure. I do actually. And the way I organize the book isn't chronological. It's actually thematic. So what I discovered in my research was that there are particular themes that we as a culture identify as Jewish, that have come to mean Jewish, and um, that that Jewish choreographers continually and over time return to these specific themes, but that the way in which they address those themes um, change with, with changing historical context 
you know, uh, contexts, as well as, you know, evolving aesthetics from, you know, early modern dance to mid-century modern dance to postmodern dance, that there's a, there are big differences in how those themes are addressed, but that the, the themes still persist. So, some of the themes that I identify and follow over time um, include um, uh, female artists interested in biblical heroines rather than biblical matriarchs who come to symbolize the ways in which women can intervene more, not only in Jewish culture, but in American society. Um, uh Folkloric, nostalgic, Eastern European themes. I mean, think Fiddler on the Roof, right? Which never goes away, is always there. Um, I don't write about Fiddler on the Roof, but, but there, there's certainly a lot of dances that delve into this Eastern European, um, nostalgia, which, which, you know, really, uh, increased particularly after World War II and it kind of disappeared, right? That world was gone. Um, and, um, Israel, I think, continues to be an issue that interests and haunts um, the work of American choreographers, sort of the role of Israel or, or our position on on Israel. Um, humor, in the uh, particularly, I noted in the work of of American um, male choreographers, um, which in certain ways shares a lot in common with the work of Jewish male comedians and performers, and sort of highlighting um, stereotypes and sort of playing with stereotypes and stock roles that that have a long history. And the Jewish woman in a Hasidic drag, you know, before Barbara was Gentle, there was there were, you know, Jewish women in the 1930s performing in Hasidic drag uh, on, on dance stages. And and so I, I, I find these trends and I trace them over time and, and think about what those images and themes mean to Jews and, and, and how Jews handle those images. So I would say that's one thing that, uh, you know, one sort of big thing that I see in common with, with the dances and the choreographers I discussed. And, and a second one, I would say in general is an emphasis for many of them on um, social justice and um, uh, liberal left values um, which many Jews, and even as early as the 1930s, um, they replaced Judaism with leftist politics. And that sort of humanism and um, social justice um, agenda, you know, you see that in the works of Victoria Marx and Liz Lerman. And so one of the ways, for example, Liz, Victoria Marx was initially a little uncomfortable of, of uh, talking to me about her work as Jew, you know, as Jewish. And then I brought up, like, you know, Vic your work is so much about social justice and humanity. You do all this work with non-dancers and putting them on stages. And there were all these Jewish dancers in the 1930s who were communists and leftists and were making dances for and with workers. And your work resonates with that trajectory, you know, and so that there, there, there that's another, and I, I see that particularly with female, a Jewish female artists, the sort of intermixing of social justice and feminist agendas that, you know, go across the century, even though they're dealing with different issues in the work. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you for elucidating that for our listeners, because, you know, we certainly don't want to make it seem as if all Jewish choreographers are the same, right? But but, but what's clear to me from your work is there are histories and contexts that frame one's Jewishness, 
in the world that Mm -hmm. would be strange not to imagine those things sort of showing up in the work, given Mm -hmm. those persistent stereotypes, scripts, Mm -hmm. historical narratives that get recycled again Mm -hmm. and again and again about what it means to be Jewish. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. as those things continue to circulate in a contemporary context, you have choreographers who certainly have their own agendas, um, commitments, histories and perspectives, but mm-hmm. they're in discussion with that larger context yes. through the body in their work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So given the richness of American dance history, why did you choose to do this work at this time in your sure. career? I know you mentioned earlier that this has been sort of a very long process in the creation yeah. of the book. <laughs> so why this book? Why now? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think that this was going to be the topic that I pursued. I mean, I certainly didn't go into graduate school thinking that I was going to write on this. I had other ideas and um, I, I sort of fell into it um, sort of a little bit by accident. Um, a couple things that, that happened to me at the same time gelled and came together. Um, one thing was I was working for Susan Manning, who was my mentor, as a research assistant um, on her second book, um, uh, you know, Modern Dance, Negro Dance, Race in Motion. And I was going into the archive for her and looking at, you know, earlier eras of dance and, you know, her interest in race and, and, uh, and gender and performance. And I came across a lot of articles that mentioned Jew- artists with Jewish sounding names with Jewish kind of themes in the work. And I also came across, um, caricatures of some of these artists that seemed ethnically inflected. And, um, and so that really interests me. And then, um, you know, at the same time I was in New York and there was a show at the Jewish museum that was called too Jewish, uh, challenging traditional identities. And I saw, and I found this work it was all postmodern contemporary work. A lot of it was challenging stereotypes. A lot of it was kitschy. There was a lot of humor and irony. And I saw in that work, some parallels with postmodern dances and, and frankly with my own work as an artist at that time, because I wasn't a historian at that time. And I thought to myself, I've never, I never in a million years would have thought that my work as a choreographer had anything to do with being Jewish. And then I looked at some of the dances I made and there were three dances in my repertory that were in many ways exactly about being Jewish, but I had never thought about it before. I mean, I'd even been to Israel for a year and lived as an artist, and I didn't even, you know, think what that especially had to do with being Jewish because I was there for the rich dance scene. And so I think that that, um, you know, that curiosity about why I didn't think that and, and why perhaps I was resistant to it as an artist, um, became intriguing to me. And, um, and, and frankly, there was just this really big gap in the literature. So if you're looking for a topic as a graduate student, one of the things you can do is sort of look where the holes are and see where you can, you know, fill, fill those, you know, with your own scholarship because the, there, there was a definitely at that time a, a pretty significant gap. Particularly, um, you know, Naomi Jackson was just, you know, writing her book um, on the 92nd Street Y and and the relationship between this Jewish institution and modern dance in America. But there wasn't uh, work about postmodern dance and and Jewishness at all at that time out there. So, um, 
So that's, that's why I wrote it was because there was this, with this gap, but also because the issue of Jewishness for me is so complicated and rich because Jewishness is not, you know, for me, Judaism is, is the least of it. Um, I don't really talk about Judaism. For me, Jewishness is a cultural identity and ethnic identity. Uh, it has to do with national national identity as well and sort of thinking what it means to be American at different points in time. Gender is intricately connected to um, how Jewishness is represented. And there is so much to say about cultural and ethnic identity and gender just by focusing on Jewishness that it just seemed like I needed to, to do it. Um, because I could talk about all the things I was interested in, gender, ethnicity, culture, race, uh, national identity, just by focusing on this thing called Jewishness. Um, given, yeah. <laughs> given the richness of that, I'm wondering if you could talk to us about the challenges you faced in developing this project. I know sure. with any scholarly project, there are roadblocks, setbacks, yeah. challenges. Can you maybe highlight a few of the difficulties that you had in sure. bringing the project to fruition and sort of how you navigated those? Yeah, I mean, it took a long time. It started out like everybody's first book does as a dissertation. Um, the dissertation went well. It took me some time. Um, I, I, I took time off from my uh, graduate career to go on tour with Margaret Jenkins for a quarter, which ended up being very productive because it became a case study in my book. Um, I talk about that piece in the book, um, but I didn't go into that thinking that I would actually get mileage for my, you know, dissertation eventual book out of that experience. So it, it took a while. And I think that's, you know, always difficult, um, uh, for, for people when they're writing. Um, you know, I think, uh, there were a couple roadblocks. I would say, um, I think sometimes professionally, those of us who write about Jewishness, and I know I've talked to my uh, colleagues who write about Latino identity and performance or Asian identity and performance, is when you go to conferences, oftentimes when they form panels, you're put on the panel with all the people writing about Jews and the uh, everybody writing about South Asian dance are on the panel where everybody's talking about South Asian dance and, and anybody talking about dance in Africa are on the panel with everybody, you know, so that there's, and, and it's really great to, it, it is good to have those conversations because I've de developed a lot of really close professional relationships with other people who are focusing on some similar issues and we've supported each work, each other's work as our work has grown. But it also in a way uh, kind of ghettoizes folks who are talking about, um, you know, specific ethnic uh, groups and sort of doesn't get those conversations out to a larger group. So I think that's, you know, that's one thing that I struggled with a little bit was trying to make sure that I was having conversations with people about the work, um, with people that were also having similar, doing similar work, but not about Jews. Um, so, so it was sort of a struggle a little bit there. Um, other struggles, you know, honestly, it was, um, you know, getting permissions for all the pictures <laughs> takes a lot of time. It's an incredible amount of detective work. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of uh, tact to negotiate with families. Um, you know, the children of artists because you're, you're taking their parents, their parents or their grandparents legacy and doing something with it. Um, you have to build that trust. Um, it was, it was really hard to, to, to navigate getting permissions for all of those video clips. Um, and you know, I don't think people necessarily think about the amount of time that that takes and, and that's a lot of busy work. Um, the other major roadblock, I mean, I only had one 
major roadblock in writing the book. The book was generally well received, uh, very well received by the, the um, readers who read it. But um, my editor, who is wonderful, um, had reservations about the sections of my book that deal with embodied scholarship. Specifically, um, in my book, there are uh, there are, there's a sections that I have called the the the, pre, uh, the, pro, the prologue or prelude, make me a Jewish dance, the entreact, and a um, a curtain call. And these were three sections of my book in which I talked about a um, project that I did in 2000 when I asked two of my subjects, Dan Fruit and Victoria Marks, to make me a Jewish dance. And then I gave myself that assignment because I was interested in in what conversations we would have both creatively and verbally with such a strange loaded sort of request and that I would also learn about these artists processes and not just, you know, the dances that I was analyzing. And, um, I learned a lot too about, um, you know, putting myself in my subject's dancing shoes, sort of thinking about, well, all right, I'm talking about these artists in relationships to Jewishness. Some of them are a little bit worried about putting being put in this frame that says Jew. Um, I'm going to put myself in that frame and, and see sort of see what happens to me in my work when I do that. So I created this project, and in many ways the project was the impulse or the initiation for the work to be born. And it, it led to so many incredibly important questions and conversations that are intrinsic to the book. So I, I utilized that um, experience as sort of a way to bookend the book or sort of, you know, split that up into sections to, to divide the book into different sections to kind of come back to that creative process. And my editor was a little unsure at first about how something that's based in embodied scholarship might appeal to a non-dance studies readership. And, um, so I fought, I fought for it and, um, and I, and I made adjustments to it that, you know, I got feedback to sort of, to make it better and to make it, um, really work with the structure of the book. And, um, What's interesting about it and what was surprising about it is that these are the sections that when I give people the book or people buy the book, they tell me they read first. This is, this is what they read first. And I think it's because it's personal, you know, this is a personal in a little bit that pulls in readers, you know, maybe readers who aren't so familiar with dance studies. Um, it's also the stuff I'm hoping will pull in non scholars, dance makers and choreographers because it deals with process. Um, but, it, you know, I think that there are moments um, when you're writing a book when you just have a really strong gut feeling that something has to be there and something is totally right. But but it isn't working yet, right? It's not, it, it, it's, you know, if, you, if people are saying there's an old issue, then that there's definitely a problem. So how do you fix it? to to make it work in the way that you know it has to and the know the way it know it will. And I think for me that was that was my major sort of revision challenge was making those sections work, um, which I hope that they do and 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 but also being strong about my uh, my gut, you know, listening to my gut in terms of this this really needs to be there. Um, and I think any author is going to have one of those moments, um, I think, you know, in, in, in their book writing process or in their dissertation writing process where they're being advised one way. And although they really appreciate that, you know, feedback, 
their gut tells them that, that this is, that they have to do this. You talk about the book as if it is a work of choreography. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the ways in which you highlight your commitment to mm, revision, uh, to clarity, mm-hmm. but also to trusting a sense of what is critical to moving the narratives forward that right. you want to make sure your reader has access to. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's been sort of the biggest surprise for you in mm-hmm. terms of the critical or popular response to the book? Has mm-hmm. there anything that's happened now that the book is out and available and accessible that really kind of surprised you or that you didn't anticipate? Um, well, I guess I'm just surprised when people buy my book because <laughs> I'm so used to it being, you know, when you write a book, as, as you know, it's just you're so private with it it's so it's so isolating so to have it out there I think is sort of a is both pleasing and shocking um and um so I'm I'm surprised when people buy it and certainly happy um uh that they're buying it um I guess you know in in many ways what I just said I, I was when people talk to me about the book and they're reading it what I'm surprised is they're they're talking so much about these sort of um performative embodied sections that that they're reading first um, uh, or that they're assigning to their students to read. And, and that, that makes me happy. I mean, it makes me happy that those sections are, um, not turning them off, but, you know, actually pulling them in. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, that, that those have, that's barely been the most surprising thing. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, work on trying to get it out there, trying to have conversations about it with different audiences. Um, uh, working on uh, booking um, conversations um, with a wide range of audiences. You know, I want to talk to academic audiences, but I'm also going to go to Jewish community centers. You know, I'm going to a couple of Jewish community centers, um, specifically in Texas, where I live, to to talk to, you know, the people in Jewish community centers who um, like to read books. And, um, and I, I really look forward to having those conversations as well. Um, you know, talking to different audiences is always surprising, you know, when you bring your work and, you know, you, you speak at conferences too. So when you, you deliver your work to different, uh, groups, different audiences, um, you always hear different things from the people in the room. So, um, you know, I'm starting to bring the work more to Jewish studies people. Um, I, as, as I usually bring the work to dance studies people. So I'm starting to go to more Jewish studies conferences and having dialogues with, with Jewish cultural historians. And that's really exciting for me and to sort of hear their excitement about dance um, because there's so little of it being discussed in, in their midst. And, and um, you know, it definitely, you know, makes me feel like we've got to get out there more into these areas where dance is still such a minority or, you know, just not necessarily underappreciated, but really almost unknown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That response actually connects really nicely with my last question, which is, can you talk to us a little bit more about what's next for you? Do you have any projects or anything on tap that might be yeah. of interest to our listening audience of, yeah. dance, of dance enthusiasts? <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, I think... Uh, this is something that I learned in my book. There was a chapter in my book that I had to to cut out um, mostly because the book was feeling long enough. And also because when I started to research this topic and theme, it felt bigger than 
a chapter. So the there was a chapter in my book that that isn't in there um, that was specifically about representations of the Holocaust in dance and. I deal with the Holocaust quite a lot because obviously the Holocaust was an event that really impacted Jewish artists um, and and sort of haunts many of the works that I, I write about. But um, when I was specifically research, you know, re- researching these dances that were specifically about the Holocaust, I I started to feel very strongly that there was a book here and not not just a chapter, and that this book shouldn't only be about Americans and it shouldn't only be about Jewish artists. Um, that there were actually some really interesting non-Jewish artists in the U.S. that I knew who were making Holocaust work, uh, such as Donald Byrd, for example, um, or Stephen Mills, who's a local um, uh, director of Ballet Austin here, and um, that there was also interesting work being made in, in um, Europe and um, Israel and other places about the Holocaust. And so I, I, I want to write a book that looks at representations of the Holocaust and deals with issues of memory and trauma and um, aesthetics, actually, uh, um, in how the Holocaust is represented, you know, by artists internationally and, you know, both Jewish and non-Jewish artists. So I've, I've started that research and I've begun to, to give talks about it. Like it, um, I was at the Holocaust Museum in um, Los Angeles um, talking about it. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting um, you know, to delve into, to these works. So for example, Donald Byrd, um, and his company, uh, came to university of Texas at Austin and did a piece called the theater of needless talents, which was a really interesting piece that he made in response to Jewish artists who had perished in the Holocaust, uh, specifically composers, um, and also the role that dance and performance played in concentration camps and in other places where people were forced to entertain. And um, I just thought the work was really interesting, um, you know, partially because he's not Jewish. He's, he talks about um, connecting to that experience of persecution as an African-American. Um, and because the work focused on artists, and sort of the creativity that got lost as a result of this um, event. And, and that's an interesting perspective to me. Um, you know, there's other works that I really want to write about, like Meredith Monk's Quarry and um, uh, uh, this piece in Austin, um, which has a lot of mainstream success. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, for example, when a Holocaust piece has a lot of mainstream success. And it's interesting to me when a Holocaust work uses ballet, which is so beautiful as a, you know, it's sort of so much about beauty, that that form, that it, it's it's challenging me to think how you make a ballet about the Holocaust, specifically because the vocabulary of the movement is so beautiful. So the book is going to look at, look at um, you know, really contemporary dances that um, deal with the Holocaust in some way, shape, or form. Very happy, a very happy and pleasant topic <laughs> to, to delve into for the next five years or whatever. But, um, you know, it's interesting to me as an artist because the a lot of these artists, many of them that I write about, use pretty experimental aesthetics. And I'm also really curious about, you know, avant-garde and experimental aesthetics as they intersect with this theme. Well, just hearing you, you know, kind of open that up for our listeners, I want to say that 
when you finish, the New Books Network will be here. <laughs> Happy to talk to you about what sounds like it's shaping up to be a really exciting and necessary inquiry for thinking about how dance can be used to look at, refract, examine, imagine, reimagine um, kind of a historical moment of trauma mm-hmm. that continues mm-hmm. to have contemporary resonance. And it makes me also think about the implications of that as a model for um, kind of emerging choreographers who may want to do something similar in their own work. Sure. So thank you so much for the, what will surely be another rich contribution <laughs> thank you. to the field. We really are appreciative of your work. Thank you again for taking some time out to speak with us here. And on behalf of the New Books Network Dance Channel, we give you deep gratitude and thank you for talking to us this morning about your work. Well, thank you for the time and for talking about it. I just, I really appreciate having a conversation. So thank you for listening and asking questions. You've been listening to an interview with Rebecca Rawson, author of Dancing Jewish, Jewish Identity in American Modern and Postmodern Dance, published by Oxford University Press. The book is available now at local booksellers and online retailers. I'm Takia Nuramin, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the New Books Network Dance Channel. Thanks for listening, and keep on reading.